Welcome to Oscar Poker. This is Sasha Stone with Awards Daily. And this is Jeffrey Wells sitting at a market in Georgetown, Connecticut. Hello, everyone, and all the ships at sea. Hello, everyone, and all the ships at sea. And uh, this is going to eventually be a subscriber podcast. So this is going to be a free episode. We're going to be um, every other episode will be free. And um, I'm hoping that you will become a subscriber. It helps us to keep the podcast going. So if you like it, please consider uh, supporting it. Yes, please do. That's my uh, spiel. I, I wanted to start with my um, conversation with a noted critic. I will not identify this person, but I happened to have a chat with this person earlier today around the uh, middle of the afternoon. And, uh, you know, usual subjects came up. We're talking about various Oscar contenders and showing the flower moon in particular and uh, I ventured the uh, oft stated opinion that uh, as much as I respect Lily Gladstone's uh, uh, best actress you know, will undoubtedly be nominated as much as I respect uh, Lily Gladstone's performance I don't believe that it really has the, the force the the dramatic force and the and the technique or anything really it's just kind of a symbolic uh, identity-driven performance that everybody seems to. Anyway, this person uh, said that uh, that she believes that that Lily's got it in the bag. I said, really? Okay. Well, all right. And she, it, and she said basically it's for the reasons that I stated. But um, you know, there's no uh, uh, you know, but everything is political. And uh, and what is political? And I said, well, there used to be a, a notion of merit out there. I mean, yes, it's political, of course, it always has been. But there is the, the impression that people have had of certain performances being real strong leading performances. And there is, I just don't think it's that strong. It's, it's good. It's honest. It's real. I believed it. But it doesn't have that, you know, primal element. And certainly doesn't. Uh, the, the script certainly doesn't doesn't afford uh, Lily Gladstone much opportunity to do a lot of you know quote unquote acting. It certainly didn't give mm-hmm. her a payoff moment and so on. Anyway, that was kind of like dep- I mean I guess I kind of accepted this some time ago. You've been telling me this for forever, but I still don't understand how the, you know there's this consensus that had already taken hold in believed, and I. Uh, you know, not a tragedy, it's fine, but I just don't get it. All right, so uh, we should explain. Um, I'm actually in Lincoln, Nebraska right now, staying at one of my favorite little hotels, which I stayed in last year. It's a, uh, it's it's a like a, 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 um, I I don't know how you describe it. I, I think it's like for visiting professors at like a nearby university or something, but it's, they're kind of like condos, but each one has its own washer and dryer. And you oh, can cool. you can use it for free. So I came all the way here to to um, to uh, Lincoln, Nebraska, to stay at this place again. Um, and Jeff, what do, I, what do I know about Lincoln? Just to interject here, I know Lincoln is a is it a college town? Um, I know it from the movie Terms of Endearment when Flap Horton moves his family to Lincoln, Nebraska. Oh yeah, okay. That's all where right. I know it from. But um, okay. but also Bruce Springsteen wrote a whole album called Nebraska, and uh, it's a great album. And 
one of the songs has the, the lyrics, Lincoln, Nebraska. Anyway, um, Jeff is not using his microphone. That's why he sounds a little bit different. He's at a market sitting at a counter right now speaking in his cell phone. So it's not going to be the usual. But we figured this is our best time to be able to talk because uh-huh. otherwise we're not going to have time to sit down and do our weekly podcast. So we just made do. As I told you in the car, Lily Gladstone is, you know, winning because of the history involved with not just Hollywood's treatment of Native Americans, but America's treatment of Native Americans, right? So it's an important milestone for them. They're not going to pass it up. They're not going to skip over Lily Gladstone and give the award to Emma Stone or something. Or Terry Mulligan. Forget that. Yeah, it's not happening. I see. Forget it. Okay. Well, I mean, I shouldn't say that. So once again, politics runs the show. I, I shouldn't. Uh, I shouldn't say that because I don't. I haven't seen Maestro, so I have to see how good her performance is uh-huh. before I make that final call. But you just said, forget it. We're not. They're not going to pass up this opportunity. Well, Emma Stone. Emma Stone has already won an Oscar, so uh-huh. they'd be giving her. It's just like with Michelle Yeoh and Kate Blanchett. They'd yep. be giving her a second Oscar over this other person that could be winning a first one for Lily Gladstone to win an Oscar. Think about the Academy Museum. Think about how important it would be for them to have a picture of Lily Gladstone holding an Oscar in that Academy Museum. You can't tell me that's not a big deal to them. No, it's a big deal. Of course it is. Sure. Mm-hmm. Anytime a you know they make history. Um, but I, I also I just wish it to accompany this big deal, which nobody's going to dispute. It's not a big deal. Obviously, it's a very important symbolic thing. But wouldn't it be nice if there was a really strong uh, uh, competitive performance to go along with this historical, you know, event? Well, I'm sorry, there isn't. Not really. I mean, it's a, it's a good performance. But I will, it's just I will not, say it's just this a, about it. I, I looked for a lot of I looked through a lot of reviews to see what people were saying about it. And most people gave her high marks. Even people who didn't like the movie that much, like um, Critical Drinker, he still gave her high marks. Where's so, the upside in giving your low marks? I'm not giving her low marks. I'm just saying she's fine. She's good. But there isn't much of a performance there, as you know. And they haven't really written much of a performance. Half of it, arguably over half, is basically about her glaring at people. Uh, a lot of it is about her lying in bed as she is administered, unbeknownst to her, uh, poison yeah. by, her, by her husband. There's not a lot that she does, let's be honest. Right, I mean, well, but it's not really her... She's going to win, fine, but let's just be honest with this. I know, but is, is it not... her fault that it's it's a poorly written part? Sorry, No, it's Lily's fault. She I, did I apologize she to Eric Roth, no offense intended. It's just that they don't give her much to do, like you said, when she walks out on Lee... Spoiler alert, when... You know, she discovers the the uh, poison that he's been doing it, that he's in on it. That Wait moment. A minute. Is there a scene? Can you name me a scene? I've seen the film twice. Have you seen it more than once? I've only seen once? it once. Yeah. Okay. Now, is there? Do you remember a scene point blank in which Jesse Clemens uh, or uh, tells her in so many words, "Your husband has been." Sorry to tell you this. Complicit with the murderers of other Native Americans on this, in this case. And he's, a, he's seemingly uh, administered, uh, you know, you, you 
that's why we were taken to the hospital because he's got toxic chemical poisons mm-hmm. that have been put into you. There is no scene in which she is actually told that in so many words. And then later, after he's been basically, uh, you know, busted and prosecuted, and he's and they have a moment together. You remember that final, right? Yeah. That, that is where the most ask William Shakespeare what happens when the almost the woman who was almost murdered and has been saved by the vigilance of the FBI and other people. What happens when she confronts her murdering husband? Well, that's what I'm saying. That's the one part that, that, that isn't there in the movie. It's just not there. It's just not there. But but it. But so it, what is so great about this? I'm just asking. Uh, other than the symbolic, that's fine. But what is it that is so like? Wow, yeah, she was really good there. Yeah. I think what people feel when they see her in this movie is, they just feel for her part, her character so much. Like when we ran into um, that journalist in Telluride, uh-huh. there were two of them there. And I have yep. yet to meet one person who doesn't praise her to the high heavens. But I, and I think it's it's just like with, it reminds me of Michelle Yeoh last year. Uh-huh. It's more about brimming over with love for this person and this moment and this character than it is just the performance. Um, but I will say this couple of things. The first is that, as I told you before, a win for her is a win for the movie. If the movie's not going to win Best Picture, it could win this other big award as a way to say this was an incredible job look the publicity on this thing is i mean this is like a plus like give cynthia schwartz or whoever it is all the oscars or you know all the accolades for this because the publicity is absolutely stellar on killers of the flower moon like they showed the pictures of them in i think it's variety or something and they're they're photographed in their native american outfits and it's like wow that's and she when she gave that speech for the variety award for women and leonardo dicaprio showed up and what she said and how she made headlines with that speech i mean it's just it's can you give me an excerpt from that speech that stuck to you in particular i I sent it to you right i texted you um I'll, i'll read it to you what what it said it just just that now I have to find it in all the many texts I send you throughout the day. <laughs> but it was something to the effect of they had to change it. They had to change the story um, because otherwise it would have looked like the FBI came in and rescued Native women. And so they could Oh, yeah. The, the quote was it would have been quite a... Quite a bad thing if if it's a film that basically said that the FBI had been the saviors of native women, Mm -hmm. right? Right. Right. So that's what that's what when people want to know what you know when people say what do you mean by woke? Well, that's what we mean by woke. We mean that they have to change they change the story in a way that that retells history in a way it didn't happen. They did save them. They the FBI did save them right that's the fact they saved them you know it's not convenient to the they've certainly prosecuted the bad guys they certainly got them at least as far as william king hale and ernest burkhardt is concerned yeah so you know maybe she doesn't it it goes against her sensibilities or what her sense of moral justice but maybe the they weren't saved but they certainly uh the bad guys were stopped well she says her her direct quote is how unfortunate it would have been 
broad yeah. audiences to walk away under the impression that the FBI are the saviors of Native women. So that's right. what woke is. It has to tell a, the correct message that they that they think is 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 better for modern audiences to be indoctrinated into as opposed to telling the truth about what actually happened which was they did plead to the federal government the federal government formed the fbi and this was the fbi's first case and they came in and they fixed it but you know ultimately uh, actually let's just be specific it was called the bureau of investigation not the federal bureau at that time just to be specific but it was yes but it was the the fbi's first case and and it's true that they weren't saved because they got screwed over the osage purely and simply um Uh they got cheated out of all their money you know it was a near genocide of their population they never got it back. They had to sue again to get any money back, and they still never got all. They're still fighting now, I think, for for money. Uh-huh. They were the richest people in the world, I think, at the time, or certainly in the country, and um, and yeah, they got screwed over. I'm not saying that they that they were you know saved them completely, but I am saying that you know you either tell the story as it happened, or you tell it in a way that you know is more favorable to you today and that's what they did they chose to do with this which is fine that's what everybody wants to see i guess i mean she's right yeah. in a way because all the screeching social justice people would have been angry if they hadn't done it that way can you imagine the shit storm that would have brewed after that yeah anyway how i this is how i responded one guy criticized me for bringing this thing i said look i was just responding to the above Lily Gladstone quote, and uh, my response was, did David Grand, the author of the original Killing of the Flower Moon, did he argue that the FBI were saviors? Well, what they did, please correct me if I'm wrong, was investigate, uncover, and set the stage for prosecution. Now, did they get, did they even, you know, touch the, all the, all the uh, bad guys and all the poor people that were killed by these? No, they didn't. But they did get what appears to be the ringleaders, or at least two of the senior guys, which is uh, uh, William Hale and Ernest Burkhart, his his nephew. And um, what the FBI may not may, FBI may not have been uh, the act of a savior-like government agency. What they did wasn't passive. It did involve arresting and prosecuting murderers. They did advance the cause of basic justice in that oil absolutely and the thing is is like i know people in the in this era don't really care about this stuff but anytime you look back in history and you see people who were heroes in retrospect it's worth praising them and celebrating them like for instance when um uh, you know a group of black men were accused in the in the deep south of having raped a woman which wasn't true they didn't do it but she um, they were they were going to be hanged, all of them. And mm-hmm. the lawyers who stood up for them were actually the communists, believe it or not. And they, they fought for them. And they ended up get, freeing them. But like yeah. every, every so often you come across good guys that were back then. Good white guys. And, and that was that was this story. The Killers of the Flower Moon. And mm-hmm. it, they go, that's why he goes into such detail about the character of the main guy. Because the most what of the... Guy? 
the FBI guy, the, the Tom White, you're saying Tom White, the Texas. He was a Texas Ranger, I think, former Texas yeah, Ranger. Tom White, right? Uh huh. Um, yeah. And they go into his history. You know, he was like an Eisenhower type of dude. And mm -hmm. um, and and what's remarkable about that is, I mean, it's it's not touched in the movie, but it should have been, which is how unusual it was to uh, fight for the rights of people that were not considered equal. Right? Mm -hmm. right they take it for granted now and they just kind of scold all white people in retrospect but it was mm -hmm. kind of remarkable i think for j edgar hoover to take this case on at all and to send those guys out there and for them to you know like they were basically laughed at by the townies you know by the white guys there mm -hmm. they weren't they didn't know the show and, and in fact when all of them were arrested a lot of them were given light sentences because they just didn't think that a crime against a you know a Native American was a crime. Um, yes, that's the key thing. They just felt that these that people of a Native American ancestry were somehow uh, not good enough or not. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know that they they, they, they were uh, if they get killed, well, tough tough luck or something. Yeah. So but but, but, it, but a, the movie was so afraid of making the FBI the good guys. Yeah. That they that they I think miss that part of the story and it's an important part of the story and it's a way in for white audiences right. to go okay cool there were like with Mississippi burning like there were some good white people back then <laughs> mm -hmm. you know and that's that's something to see you know they they call it white savior I guess um, but you can't rewrite history you can't pretend people who had no power suddenly had power and were were treated as equals then it doesn't work. You know that that because that's not the truth it's just not the truth you know and you're impressed let me just understand your <clears throat> opinion you're in, you're deeply impressed by not just what Lily is saying but the people enabling her to say that telling this basic story of limited but just to some extent that did happen because of Tom White and his efforts that would be very very unfortunate modern audiences were to come away from this film under the impression that the FBI did this, you know. That's what she thinks, and that's what the filmmakers obviously thought, and what Scorsese was obviously told yeah. to change the story. They had to, because right. people would have thrown a fit. They're already throwing a fit, you know. Yeah. But it's, but it's not quite on the level that it would be if they had told it that way. It, oh my god, it would have been mm -hmm. completely trash. They have to you know, if they're going to take on a, a subject like this one, they have yep. to they have to be really careful mm -hmm. about how they tell that story. But yep. I would encourage everyone to read the book. The book is so interesting and, and sad, incredibly sad, but interesting. The way I look what at it, what did you find is, personally sad about it, other than the fact that it's horrible that people were mil murdered? What What did you find particularly sad about the book? Well, because the book is was written pre Great Awakening. So it's just an honest, and most of the records that were kept were kept by Tom White, not by mm -hmm. the Osage. Um, and so you see a much more honest, you know, I think in Scorsese's movie, they make the Native Americans a lot more sophisticated than they were. And um, Lily Gladstone, for instance, is, is a modern woman in a lot of respects. And uh, and and they 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 aren't in the book. They're completely naive, trusting, and so easily taken advantage of. Mm -hmm. And you know, 
that's how William Hale and all those guys justified it, right? Because they, they thought, oh, they don't know the difference, you know? They don't know the difference. What's the big deal? They don't even know, like, there's no crime here because they're not a, they don't understand anything. Now, of course, Lily Gladstone's character in real life did eventually, because everybody died in her family, did eventually con- contact the, you know, the federal government. They, they were trying to figure out why all these people were dying. Right. Um, and, it, you know, it is murder and it is theft. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think in the book you understand it a little bit better because he's, tr- he's just trying to tell the story of what happened as opposed to trying to send some sort of message um, about... The people that they want to hear. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I wish there had been some uh, character, just better story, really, if there had been some vigilant, uh, strong, persistent, admirable, tough guy character from within the Osage tribe who uh, uh, did something that advanced the the knowledge and, 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 and push and, you know, kind of push the, the rock along the, the hill towards justice. You know, maybe somebody mm-hmm. worked with Tom White or did something, you know. Just something other than people from this community, this this horribly brutalized community. Uh, I wish there had been somebody who had stepped up to the plate and done something other than just said, "Can somebody please give us justice?" Well, again, I, I think that did, so. I just think people aren't capable now of facing the truth about what that really was, right? What what was really was? What do you mean? Well, I mean. I don't think that they're capable of seeing the truth about our history, really. Like, they, what they want is a binary of good and evil. White people were bad, Native Americans were good, mm-hmm. and everything we've done in our history can be seen on a binary of good people. But it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a little more complicated than that, I think, and, and especially in, this, in terms of this particular group, because you have to remember, these weren't people who, this is like, a tribe that had been moved, you know, moved off of land that already belonged to them, right. and were moved to this other place, relocated as we t- took over land and moved westward. Mm-hmm. And you know, money and you know, American capitalism wasn't like a goal for them. It wasn't something that was important to them. So they didn't really understand the value of money mm-hmm. and wealth. They didn't yeah. understand it. That's one of the reasons why they were so easily taken for granted because they didn't really understand it. Yeah, they'd get the cars and they'd get the houses and they'd sell them all this stuff, but it didn't have it didn't it didn't mean anything to them. You know what I mean? Like they didn't care about it. And if they did care about it, maybe they would have fought back, but it wasn't something that that they that those people thought was valuable. What was valuable to them was on a much higher level. You know, it was spiritual, it was uh, you know, there weren't money grubbers like Americans. <laughs> yeah. Know? So, you know, that wasn't their their main motivator in life. So it's easy to see how all of that could have happened. It's grotesque, but it's easy to see that um, for them, that's why if you say like, God, why didn't they, you know, why didn't they? It's sort of like they just had no comprehension, I think, of. Yeah. And there was also a sense of being demoralized. Like, the same thing happened with the Jews in Germany, is that people mm-hmm. always say, why didn't the Jews fight back? Why did they just go along with it? Why did they give up everything and go, you know? And and a lot of it was that shock of, 
you know, of, of first of all, of trusting the Nazis or whatever that, oh, yeah, these are really just labor camps. Mm-hmm. And with, with the Osage, it was the same kind of thing. It was like, you know, we're trusting them. They're, you know, they obviously know better and I'm sure this is going to be fine. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's a harder truth, I think, than the, than the movie portrays. But ultimately, I think everybody's going to agree that it was an important story that needed to be told. Just. So here we are, 50 next, um, when the Oscars happen in, is it March or late February? I can't remember. It's but when March. it happens, March. it'll be 51 years after Marlon Brando and Sasheen Littlefeather's uh, declaration that uh, this industry, mm. this culture, you yeah. know, have been pretty horrible to, to Native Americans. And uh, I'm refusing this Oscar because of this history and, and the hissing and the booing and the der- derision uh, particularly directed towards Sashi and Littlefeather, but mm-hmm. also Brandon. It was pretty, pretty intense. Yeah. And uh, you know, look at look at how the culture has changed. And now everybody is saying, okay, Marlon Brando is right on target. Uh, yeah, Clint Eastwood was wrong 51 years ago, and the other people that were, you know, John Wayne was wrong. They were mm-hmm. all wrong. Yeah. They, they weren't. They weren't decent. And so here we are, finally ratifying that viewpoint that we are now accepting of and it took us a half century but here we are right that that be a fair way of putting it absolutely i mean absolutely that even though sasheen littlefeather wasn't really uh a native american (laughs) yeah she was mexican yeah yeah so that's that's a little bit of a like buffy saint marie is not really native american either but and you know other people have assumed or embraced Native American identity for reasons there's no need to go into now. But anyway. But so for Hollywood, seems, it's, so it's, it's going to be, a, for the Oscars, it's going to be a very big deal to give an award, give an Oscar to um, a yeah. Native American, period. It just is. And so it's going to be a big moment for Hollywood in general, uh, not just the Oscars. It'll, be, it'll basically be a, you know, another apology moment. Um, in, in keeping with the Academy Museum and everything. And uh, I guess, you know, look, it's not the end of the world. And if it happens, it happens. Okay. But I'm looking forward to a day where at least there's a semblance, uh, at least a uh, an attempt to try to address quality of performance. Something and that's really never, it's never coming back. Huh? That's ne- coming never back. coming back now. That, those days are over. And the reason Wait, that they're <laughs> over... So it's never coming. Is that what you said? It's never coming back? Yeah. We're never going to get there? Never. Everything's going to be about wokeness from here on in? For the most part, yeah. And here's why. The okay. younger generations now are, have been conditioned to see things with critical theory through the prism okay. of race, identity, gender. And that's how they judge what's good and bad. Yeah. Right? That's how they judge it. So... Right. You know, it's always going to be a factor forever until it would just be so nice to just maybe every every now and then, you know, every five years, let's say somebody wins for quality of performance, some kind of universal, something that gets you deep inside that everyone relates to and doesn't particularly make a point about the rancid ugliness of, of white people or that is not you know celebrating this or that non-white culture or non-white uh, well it's not to just life, that you know. it's also like you know brendan fraser winning 
for the whale because he's playing a gay man. You know, it's just, I'm just saying like identity's always going to be factored in. It's yeah. never going to go back to just being what it was, which was basically 99% white people. Never. Well, I don't think anybody wants that. We got to reflect the diversity of our culture. well, exactly. Not... But I'm saying, like it, it had, you had the tree had to be shaken to such a degree that they had to be forced, and the BAFTA and in the industry forced to start yeah. changing the way they thought, changing the way they voted, like literally forced. In the case of the BAFTAs, right. you know, so it's that what they're saying is we put in all these new members, thousands of new members. Look at the Golden Globes with their 300 new members. They're saying we are no longer going along with this idea that, you know, it's only going to be about quality. I'll give you I'll give you an example of this by historical context. You know, for most of Americans, America's early history, only white men uh, voted and made laws right for for a really long time. It took forever for for, you know, people who are uh, women or, or black people to fight for their right to vote. Think of how long it took for that to happen. And before that, it was all just white men. And so everything that was happening... In, now, I'm not saying, personally, I don't believe this, that America's founding principles are only... You know, maybe they were designed only for white men, but so what? We're all, they're applicable to all of us. We all get to take advantage of them and their their wonderful founding principles. Um, but, but, you know once it, it's expanded outward to being more representative for all these different groups, now we know what our political elections are like, right? They're not just addressing one group's specific needs anymore. They can't be. Mm-hmm. So in, in Hollywood and the Oscars, that's what it's like now. It, it will never go back to what it used to be. It never. It's just never going to happen. So, you know, what you're going to be... Why can't it go back to occasionally forget the the evil white person narrative and just how good was this person how moving did you find this performance for instance divine joy randolph purely a human being performance about a very sad woman you know falling into drink and too much smoking and morose and sad but it's real i believed Mm. every line every every gesture of hers and it's just a performance just a human being going through pain having lost a son you know that's what i'm talking about what about just that being a thing you know as opposed to oh well she's a woman of color and she's you know she's uh you know she she deserves it because that that's 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 primarily the reason oh yes she gave a performance but mainly because she's a woman of color that's really yeah you know, but i think on. that people would keep doing that over and over i think again? people would argue that it's never really just been about the performance because it's always been subjective right and it's always people have been complaining about the oscars since i've been doing the oscars before it was about identity it was it was you know a lot of other reasons why people complained about the oscars they called it a popularity contest you know uh, actresses winning. Well, it felt been that to some extent. It Never felt, yeah, it felt like that. the prom queen. To me, you like Jennifer Lawrence in Silver Linings Playbook. To me, that was like the prom queen winning winning an Oscar. I didn't think she deserved yeah. it. I thought Emmanuel uh, Riva was better. And so, you know, it, it is a subjective thing. It's always going to be. So for this generation and for a lot of these people in these voting groups now, their subjectivity is influenced and by by the by the struggles of people of color or gender, whatever it is. Right. Like, 
they factor that in and that 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 informs their emotional response mm. right like michelle yo and and it's not just about the expertise of the work it's it's a lot about how they feel about this part it's subjective and that's why i think lily gladstone has such a strong chance of winning because i think that she makes like we saw those people on the street in telluride talking about her that she makes remember boss i didn't hear anybody talking about her yes you did we got an argument with with a couple oh yeah yeah there was this one guy who was two guys i would even mention that it's an identity thing and he said i won't have it i won't tolerate it you know you know walk that statement back and so on okay yeah fine he was really Uh, mad at you screamed at you yeah Yeah. (laughs) shouted bellowed (laughs) barked (laughs) but that just shows you how emotionally connected he was to that person in that part all right let's talk about something else what else is going on very very briefly before we leave i want to say this came in uh, an hour ago exactly Uh, one of the uh, he people's uh raidwart r-a-d-e-w-a-r-t i'm just going to read what he's uh, Finally saw the movie, Killer Mo- uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. Got to say, I agree with Wells in regard to the FBI's actions. They may have come a little too late, but when they did, they investigated, made arrests, prosecuted the guilty. Saviors or not, they did their job. If anything, I was getting a little annoyed with the Native women who kept on dating and marrying dopey white guys who were clearly after their money. They should have listened to their elders and stayed away from the white folks. Also, I sort of agree with Wells also about Gladstone's performance. She does a decent job, but only a decent job, because for like half the movie, he just sits around sick in bed. Yeah. So anyway, that's that's uh, that's one guy. OK, there isn't much time. Guess what? I'm getting kicked out of here because they're closing the store. But oh, um, here's one thing that I that has been uh, a factor uh, in today's discussions, which is um there are people who have heard what a great thing it is uh, to see uh, uh, poor things, and that it has it did screen for uh, uh, some folks at the Fox Zanuck Theater on the 18th. I think what is that last night? Um, and a, a, a creative friend wrote me about the reaction. And and there are some uh, they loved it. I mean, it was mainly a, a younger crowd, like 45, 40, 35, that 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 range not older people mm. uh but they did really uh, thought it was great he thought it was academy friendly and really wild and he thinks it's uh basically barbie on steroids or barbie meets frankenstein or whatever you want to yeah. call it and uh but i have been you know it started with uh, with uh, jeff jeff snyder and it uh it continued on with bill mccuddy who i see in new york all the time and i'm getting this feeling that some people are going what did bill what mccuddy is- say he thought it was too much. He thought he didn't. He didn't like the, the the the. I said, but it's so you know, it's so alive with 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 energy and creativity and the and the production design and the you know, it's so it's so Terry Gilliam. It's kind of wild and and it's always going in places you don't quite predict. And he said, yeah, I know, but I don't know. you know, because his energy is dropping as he's talking to me. But he basically didn't like it. And but but was it that else. he didn't like this so much sex, or did he just not like that it went on and on and on and on? I don't think it was. Um, he, you know, we didn't even get into discussing how it is very much a Barbie movie, except a much more sexual and more imaginative Barbie movie. 
I, I, I don't know if it was the sex or not. Um, uh, at a certain age, I guess some men don't respond to sexual stuff as much as they are when they do when they're younger. I don't know what it is. See, we didn't have a, a knockdown, drag out argument about it, but I just said, okay, you know, that, that's, you know. Uh, oh, oh, guess what? Uh, the weeping guy, he didn't like it that much. Oh, no, no, God. You know who the weeping yeah, guy yeah, is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's kind of a little, you know. Yeah. So there's. I, I so think there's three for me, the, or... the thing, I feel like the thing, the problem with it, um, is I think at some point it feels like it's gratuitous in my opinion it's like blue is the warmest color at some point you're just like okay what am I watching like is this just some porn thing like I felt like the sex it's not pornographic it's yeah but we, we got it we got it you know we didn't have yeah. to see her reach an orgasm with the woman going down on her we already got it you know we didn't have mm -hmm. to keep seeing her like railed from behind and mm -hmm. you know it what what was the point of that like i thought it was funny in a way of like deep throat like a movie like deep throat i could i could mm -hmm. i could see the value in it for that mm -hmm. but if you're th if you're thinking of it as an important movie then i think it fails if you're just looking at it as a romp as a funny crazy weird romp fine it totally succeeds mm -hmm. on that level but does it feel important to me no you know actually barbie feels even more important than poor things because barbie at least when I watched it again, when she goes and she sees what it's like to be human and she's getting these visions um, mm -hmm. before she decides to be human, what she's getting is images of being a mom. She's got images of kids, babies, and the whole experience of being human. And so when she says gynecologist, yeah, it's kind of about sex, but it's also about how can I become a mother? And I, I that, I think, on the second watch, I found to be really interesting and moving and a lot deeper margot robbie's barbie is thinking about and kind of resonating maternal vibes i, I think get that, that it's maternal well because you got to see it again i didn't okay. get it the first time either until i watched it again and i watched the movie okay. that she sees that the woman shows her the montage mm -hmm. and it makes sense when you think of greta gerwig who was pregnant while filming this movie right so she's basically a stand -in. You're reaching, but okay. No, I'm not. Go back and watch it again. You'll see what I'm talking about. When she okay. says, you know, what is it to be human? And she shows her an image. She's not seeing mm -hmm. some girl going down on her and she's reaching orgasm. She's not seeing getting railed from behind. She's not seeing fucking up against a wall. She's seeing okay. mothers holding babies. She's seeing, you know, the laughter of children on swings. Now, what does that tell you? That's not about sex. No, what comes at the end is basically it's a uh, it's a, a matriarchal culture that knows better. And on who would dispute that? Um, most of the guys, all the guys in the movie are are little boys, and they're idiots, and they're you know str strutting their their around with and 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 trying to assert authority and say uh, we want to do it our way. But they're basically not mature, and obviously the women are much. Uh, more uh, balanced and humane and yeah you know, i mean it's just like it's exactly like what we were talking about it is you know as yeah. as good as i think it is it is a woke movie it has to settle into the yeah. idea that you know men are essentially useless and except as sperm donors <laughs> yeah that's it pretty much and that's the way the whole culture is going that's certainly the way it's going as far as 
if you listen to the therapists, how it's going with younger men, men who are supposed to be in their prime years in terms of mating, marrying, yeah. having children, they're all like dispirited. They don't have any, they, they're kind of like, you know, no, it's, a, it's, a, it's terrible. It's a, like it's a crisis. And, you know. It's a terrible crisis of men. And that's what I liked about this one essay I read about the holdovers. Um, it was actually from, I posted it on my site. I think I might've sent it to you. I don't know, but um, okay. It was about a uh, um, the holdovers being a movie that presents good role models for men, good role models of like people with principles, teachers, you know, how to guide you. Like, and and he wrote it in such a, a fascinating way. I thought that um, well, course, there's no group of men who are presenting good role models it's, it's basically paul giamatti period that's it yeah but but it's a movie about a role a male role model how often do you see yes. that in hollywood anymore never never it doesn't happen it's over yeah that's what that <laughs> so, article was about it was like you know and we know yeah. what men need that they need right. that right now in our culture and they've just been completely abandoned and demonized like how is this going to end well so I think that's weird and bizarre and I don't like it, but I like that, that the holdovers exists um, as a counter example to that. And I'm, look, I'm looking forward to the backlash, <laughs> you know, so. Uh... I've just been told by the store manager that I have to leave. So oh. I'm afraid this is going to be one of our shorter uh, Oscar poker is going, what, 45 minutes. That's not so bad. We don't have to go two hours no it's time. good because no, i don't want to be editing a lot but i'm sorry that we didn't talk about anything other than killers of the flower moon i agree and there's once you get going there's other things to jump into but i'm sorry he just looked me straight in the eye all right well sorry, can you sir, stand outside and talk a little bit longer uh yeah but i have to pack up my computer we could do i could call you again as, as, as when i get outside would you want me to do that i'll be happy to do that I just got to pack my stuff up. I have to put my coat on. It's cold oh, outside. Is it really cold? Too cold to stand well, there? Not and... cold, cold, but getting there. Is know? it too cold to talk? All right. So Jeff, Jeff is now in his car. We're going to try to finish this podcast by talking about something other than Killers of the Flower Moon, if at all possible. Okay. And we did, we also <coughs> just got into uh, poor things, which we're going to have to leave alone. Um, I have... Um, and interest, uh, I'm finally seeing American Fiction tomorrow, which you haven't seen mm. yet. I'll be seeing it at 11 o'clock in the morning. Uh, the prevailing view seems to be all thumbs up to everyone, from everyone I have spoken to. And the, uh, the, the opinion, though, is that it's been overpraised somewhat. It doesn't quite get there on a home run level, but it is a very impressive uh you know, baseball analogy, like a ground rule double or... Who's, you know, who said that it doesn't quite get there? Well, uh, a mutual critic friend of ours, for one. Uh, a, a, uh, <clears throat> uh, a, uh, the other guy from New York who didn't like uh, um, poor things, he said it's good, but it doesn't quite get there. Didn't quite nail it. Yeah, well, it's hard when a movie gets hyped up and people start saying, like, Scott Feinberg has that movie winning Best Picture. That's a lot of pressure to live up to. Um, but I am excited to see it, and let me know what you think. Um, yeah, I'm looking very much for it. It's going to be at 11 o'clock in the morning. Uh, I have to take a 9 a.m. train, and I'm very, yeah. much, uh, very much excited. And what do you uh, make of the Color Purple reactions? 
What do I make of color purple reactions? I think that all the reactions from the opening screenings are completely, uh, with the exception of a very few, as as usual, not to be trusted. Uh, there's this overall feeling of well, it's you know this um, um, uh, very very noteworthy 1985 film that was made by Spielberg has now been given a musical treatment. Um, it's not sung through, however, it does have dialogue plus songs. And it's, uh, but the, the enthusiasm, the, the uh, you know, immediate standing ovation, the cheers, everything, yeah. um, I just don't trust it. And uh, as usual with any uh, movie uh, that involves, uh, you know, uh, uh, non-white characters or people that are favored by the culture right now, you have to wait for the sourpusses to, to weigh in and, and, and deliver some straight dope, uh, you know, assessments fair assessments but without all the gushing enthusiasm mm -hmm. that we all feel obliged to to share and to give when we see a film of this nature so uh, that's i'm not going to see it apparently for some time i haven't even heard about a screening but as you know it doesn't open until this december 25th christmas day yeah do you have an opportunity to uh, have you control about a screening in los angeles or anything I no. unfortunately had to miss my screening. I was invited to that big one with Oprah and all that. Okay. But um, but I had to uh, skip it because um, I, I had to get on the road by Thursday. So unfortunately, I didn't get to see it. But I am looking forward to seeing it. Um, but, you know, the, the I think the enthusiasm for it is enough to get it in for Best Picture. You know, don't you think? I would imagine if we're talking 10 nominees, yeah, sure. It's, it's, it's an inclusion, and that's good for the movie, and I hope it, uh, it gets all the bump it can out of uh, getting... I mean, not to mention um, the acting nominations, uh, one of which is, uh, is primarily... Now I've just... All right, forgive me, I don't have it in front of me. <clears throat> but you know the actress I'm talking about. She's the one, basically, who plays the Oprah Winfrey role, who played the... Oprah Win Winfrey had a character named Sophia, I believe... Mm. Or no, am I wrong? Maybe it's the woman who's playing the the uh, the Whoopi Goldberg part, which is the lead, Seely. So I, I think, see, this is not very flattering to be um, not up on the specifics. But yeah. if I had it in front of me, I would be able to recite a chapter and verse and sound like I know everything, but I don't have it. Well, in front there's of me. Fantasia Barino is playing the Seely. Um, yeah. And I don't know that she's been the talked up as much. I think it's the, the the Sophia character, the one played by Oprah back in 85. Well, I went to Gold Derby and I saw that people did, a lot of people did have Fantasia Barino in for Best Actress. Um, okay. I just don't know who she's going to replace. Um, you know, does that mean that, you know, Margot Robbie gets dropped? Does that mean that um, Sandra Huller gets dropped? Anyway, Danielle Brooks is the one who um, is the one that, that everybody's talking about more than anything else. You're right. Danielle yeah. Brooks. Danielle Brooks. Danielle Brooks. But I'm, I don't know which part she plays. Well, you have better access to a computer than I do. My understanding, my recollection, I did a whole thing about this actress, Danielle Brooks, is playing uh, Oprah's character or whomever. You know, I, I wrote it all out and I just I just don't want to recite it. Yeah. Well, without having it in front of me, why not just be dead sure about what I'm talking about? Since I haven't seen the film. Yeah. So only only three. Uh, let's see. 
Um, okay, so the people who have updated since they saw Color Purple, November, let's see, um, yeah. that's Perry Nemiroff, Christopher Rosen, Will, uh, Wilson Morales, uh, Michael Musto, uh-huh. uh, Tariq Khan. I'm just looking to see where they put the color purple. Like Now, Ann Thompson has not updated since the 15th, but she doesn't have it on there. Christopher Rosen has it down at number nine, and Perry Nemiroff has it at number seven. Um, and then when you move to Best Actress, let's see. Uh-huh. Um, Perry Nemiroff has Fantasia Barino. Christopher Rosen does not. So make of that what you will. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe he didn't like the movie, right? I think a, some people who didn't like it aren't. Uh, and, and, and I looked at supporting actress and Perry Nemiroff still has Divine Joy Randolph winning over Danielle Brooks. However, Christopher Rosen has Danielle Brooks winning, even though he didn't put the movie high. And he doesn't have Fantasia Barino, but he has, he and, it looks like a lot of people that saw the movie have Danielle Brooks. So it's Michael Musto, Tariq Khan, Jazz, Wilson Morales, Christopher Rosen, all have Danielle Brooks. So it really is going to be a head-to-head with Danielle Brooks and Divine Joy Randolph. Two sort of, you know, plus size, I guess. <laughs> I don't know what to the word to not sound like a jerk plus size actors of, of color against each other in uh in but and basically that's what it is and so you have to decide uh you know I, I, there's no there's no way for me to make any calls here but i think that divide joy randall yeah wonderful. but you have to see the color purple first all these people are saying that danielle brooks is better i think yeah. ultimately it comes down to the movie which movie did they like better if they like the color purple better and they want to see the color purple do well, then uh-huh. Danielle Brooks will be the one big win for that movie. If they let, you know, if people, if the holdovers can somehow manage to gather some momentum, it's, you know. Boy, the way you just said that sentence, if it can somehow manage to, you seem to believe it has, it's a, it's a weak sister and it doesn't have any. No, uh, I don't think that's what it is. I don't think it's weak at all. I just think it's Oscar right. season is ridiculous. You know, Oscar season is a really dumb game uh-huh. and you know people are really stupid I, I and they don't always award the best movie for i mean look at vertigo only got two nominations for sound and art direction yeah of course so you know they don't always they don't know what they're doing half the time so i'm not saying it has it does not speak to the quality if, if david fincher's the killer is shut out of the oscars that means absolutely nothing because it, the movie's still going to be as great as it's going to be forever. Yeah, and, and the Oscars great. are lucky if they catch that wave. But yeah. most of the time, the things that are nominated for the for the Oscars and people that win, nobody remembers them. Nobody remembers them. And if you go yep. back through Oscar history, as I've done many, many times, you'll see names and you'll just think, God, how did that happen? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you can't believe that some people didn't win. And and it is, it's just a, a thing of the moment. Yep. So it, it does not speak to Holdover's quality in the least if it doesn't do well in the Oscar season. It just means yeah. that it's it's a movie out of time. Like it can't, it doesn't resonate with the crowd that chooses these things, you know. 
because they want to see something that reflects the current cultural values of etc we all i'm sick of saying this but they want to see i know that if, if, if the holdovers had been made by a, a woman of color <laughs> and and the divide joy randolph's character was a victim of racism then there's a chance that it would have done better I mean, look at these fanatics chanting in the street for Palestine. Like, they're insane. So, you know, art can't survive in a dogmatic atmosphere. Yeah. It can't survive yeah. in, a, in a red guard, Stalinist, uh, yeah. fundamentalist, you know, they, they can only see propaganda. They can't see art. And so to them, a good movie is a movie that, you know, says the right thing. Not necessarily is about people the way that this wonderful movie the holdovers is about people and stories you know it's it's just good so completely completely um earns its uh, earns its merit badge mm. and it will be understood by that that fact will be understood five years from now ten years from now there's no question about it and uh whether it syncs with the current mood and the Wanting to re wanting to affirm or celebrate this or that uh, woke point, okay, that 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 may or may ha not happen, as far as the Alec Detter paints uh, film is concerned. Yeah. But it's not going to matter. But really. uh, but I'll tell you this about the holdovers: it's the only movie that I could recommend to almost anybody. Yeah. That I don't have to give it any qualifier. People always ask me, all the years that I've been doing this site, oh, you work you work in movies what's a good movie to see? And I always have to stop for a minute and think, who is yeah. this person? And what kind of movie does this person like? You know, you can't uh -huh. like walk into like say a FedEx. And if somebody says, what's a good movie, you can't just recommend like poor things. You know, you have to know what kind of movie they're talking about when they ask you that question, unless yeah. it's a movie like the holdovers which is universal, which means you can recommend it to anybody. What's a good movie? The Holdovers. Go see that. Yeah. yeah. And there's a small percentage of people that won't be turned on by it and won't like it, but the majority of people will love it. So... I don't think the basis for someone saying they flat out don't like it, except for that 34-year-old, almost 34-year-old, well when we saw it and he was kind of like eh, you know and I yeah said, well, yeah that's the thing is it so so for some people it just plain old doesn't resonate they don't care they don't yeah. care about him it's not like sideways was a movie where you know you were seeing characters say and do things you've never seen them say and do before and that's uh -huh. not the case with the holdovers the holdovers is just a, a, a good story about an interesting character yeah. Of the kind that we just don't get anymore, which which is what humanity needs. We need that. Like, we need good comedy. We need right. that kind of catharsis in storytelling, which we don't get anymore. Yeah. Hardly ever, because everything's about navel-gazing, you know? Um, I mean, speaking of navel-gazing, you saw Napoleon. Do you want to talk about that at all? Sure. Uh, um, everybody saw it uh, last... Um, why am I blanking? Is it last Tuesday? No, Today no. is uh, Sunday. I guess it was last Tuesday. It was at the GGA... Um, it was a afternoon screening, um, and the uh, general feeling was that it missed, um, and it's primarily it missed because I don't think anybody really thought that Joaquin Phoenix got a hold of or was saying anything or, you know, delivering something 
really interesting about Napoleon Bonaparte. And it was my feeling from <clears throat> the very, before I even saw it, was that uh, Marlon Brando's performance in the same part in 1954's Desiree, which nobody's seen and no, nobody ever will see again, I guess, because it's a kind of a <clears throat> mediocre kind of women's romance type of movie. But <clears throat> uh, Joaquin Phoenix seems to be playing a kind of a, uh, a, a dipshit Napoleon, a, a, a guy who's kind of like caught up in these adolescent attitudes and he's not particularly commanding. He's kind mm-hmm. of fickle, weird, and, you know, it's, it doesn't seem to really get hold of anything. And there is a story that, uh, of course, Ridley Scott, the director, passed along that maybe a month before the film began shooting, uh, Joaquin didn't really, he couldn't get a handle on it. He says, I don't know what, I'm, what to do. I don't know how to do this. And they had to sit down and, you know, okay, let's just stop working. Let's just talk about it. So they went through a whole uh, dialogue process and, and tried to figure it out. But I don't think he really figured it out. And I don't know that he was even the best guy for it because you don't believe that this guy, <clears throat> played by Joaquin, who's a <clears throat> always an interesting actor, but he <clears throat> he seems like a neurotic mm. and rather adolescent uh, fellow. Uh, and there's this whole sexual thing he has with Josephine. Um, that's, uh, you know, kind of funny, you know, people are laughing every now and then, but he seems to be kind of caught up, really caught up in himself. He's kind of impassive. Mm. Plus he doesn't look young enough to play Napoleon Bonaparte's great or short or short enough. Well, I guess you're arguably right. Uh, Joaquin is actually five, eight and Napoleon was five, six, which by the standards of the day wasn't super short. No, but a little uh, guy like that, that's the whole thing. Like, I don't know, I, I never understood why they made this movie when the one thing people know, about, it's sort of like making Cyrano and not having a, a guy with a big nose. It's like the one thing people know about Napoleon, that, that's why they call it the Napoleon complex. Yeah, that's right. Is that he's short. Like, get Wally Shawn in there. And I know he's too right. old to play it, but put a short guy in there and, and make out the whole movie about how short he is. Did they not yep. do that because... They wanted a star. Or did they not do that because they didn't want to be offensive? I'll bet that was part of it. You don't want to be uh, a sizeist. Don't, yeah. Don't put down people for being small. Yeah. Because that'll get in trouble the way if you put down people being overweight or obese. I know, but the whole thing is about Napoleon. The Napoleonic complex is that he's short, so he went and did all these things. Like, yeah. it's his whole character, and it would be so funny to just to see a short guy. With all yeah. these tall people around him. I mean, did he at least do that? Did he at least cast tall people? They don't people? touch this, this size at all. They do oh, well, not. Well, that's just, that, that's pointless to, totally pointless to make that movie. Yeah. And I'll, I think you're completely right. I think they did, because it's just, why open that can of worms? Why even get into because it? Because it's the whole point of who he is. Well, the, that's who the, he is. people don't want you to criticize or make fun of someone who's on the smallish side, which he, he kind of was. Well, I mean, and, but wasn't. that's the whole point. That's the whole lore, the legend of Napoleon. The only thing people remember about him is that he was short. Yeah. It's literally the only thing that has stood the test of time. Remember, he was also, um, he was born just before 1770. So he's about 22, 23 at the time of the French Revolution. Yeah. 1793, 94. But his glory years were... Um, uh, early, late twenties, early, early to late thirties, early, mostly his thirties and a little bit of his forties. Now, Joaquin is, you know, again, fascinating actor, always has been, always will be. I know, be. but Can't he's, wait. he's, he's old. He looks old. He looks like he's pushing 50, which he is, 
but also because he smokes like a chimney and he doesn't look like young for his age and he just doesn't look real i mean marlon brando looked the part in terms of the how old napoleon was not to mention he looked a lot like him he really they had the the nose and everything also there are so many so many short actors in hollywood that's the one thing people always say is is how short they all are right you know when you see them so why not just cast it with a short actor goodness sakes oh well that said even though i i don't think it's a very successful not frankly even that much of an interesting film but i am kind of i i'm i'm in i mean i've I've already seen the two hour whatever it is 40 minute version so i'm definitely going to be down for the four hour plus version i might as well get through Mm -hmm. it and maybe there's something there who knows you know but who knows I, i i don't know what to say but i but i don't think it's a very successful film and i think that was pretty much i mean you know every time you see a film with all the all the uh all the hot shots and all the know-it-alls everybody kind of congregates outside the theater after it's over nobody really is making a speech and explaining to others whether it's really great or it's not so good but everybody's kind of muttering kind of like oh, i don't know you know <laughs> it was yeah. all that, that that was the mood nobody was uh, inclined to get uh, very energetic about in their praises i thought some of it was intriguing <clears throat> i didn't think it was a stupid film yeah, and it had a certain, and he really gave it hell with the battle scenes, and you have to really there the two big battle scenes are the Battle of Austerlitz and the Battle of Waterloo, and a lot of effort and strategic, uh, you know, photography and the, the 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 you believe the crowds, you believe the horses, the whole it, it feels pretty pretty decent. Uh, Ridley gave his all to make those battles feel like they mattered. But yeah. he didn't once have uh, Joaquin explain uh, who he was, what he wanted, what what his thing was. Uh, he just he just seemed to be kind of an egomaniac, a kind of a gruff, sullen egomaniac. And, well, uh, again, it, 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 if you if you take all that and you put it inside of a short, angry man, then it's funny, and then it's a good movie. Yeah. yeah. And it's not, yeah. it doesn't work otherwise. There's no point to it. It's completely pointless. But oh, anyway. certainly, I was just thinking, uh, you know, as far as you wanting to get on board, uh, you, you know, you're going to be in, uh, your your daughter lives in, is it Cleveland or outside Cleveland? Where does she live? In Lakewood. But how far is that from a big city? Not far. It's close to Cleveland. Okay. Well, there's a chance to, to catch up with, uh, with uh, Maestro one of those nights. How many nights are you going to be there? Oh, is it open now in theaters? Yeah, it's going to be as of the 22nd. Oh, really? soon. Maybe I will. You know, that's one That's one thing. Well, if I don't see do it there, I'll having. see it when I get home for sure. I, I'm not going to drag Emma to see a three-hour movie like that. Not three hours. Well, whatever. She wouldn't want to see that, trust me. But, um, I mean, if, if we see anything, it'll be... Uh, she's already seen The Killer... Um, we're probably not going to have time to go to a movie because the Thanksgiving okay. is going to last three days. They have three different Thanksgiving parties at her fa- her boyfriend's family. So boyfriend's family, they, there are three different parties being thrown yeah. by what an aunt and an uncle and a grandfather. No, and I think it's just the two sides of the family: her boyfriend's dad's side and her boyfriend's mom's side. They're still married, but 
Uh, I guess they just do different Thanksgivings. But I think it's an interesting concept of three Thanksgivings spread out over three days, so I'm sort of intrigued by the whole thing. Okay. We'll see how it turns out. But, um, but all right, so we should hang up now. This has been long enough, and thank you for calling me back. Yeah, and, good talking. Um, yeah. Talking. If I don't talk to you, which I probably will, have a happy Thanksgiving. You too. All you right. All I'll talk to you later. All right, take care. Bye. Bye.